episode number 22. One Golden Moment Podcast. Rory O'Toole. Yes, sir. Serena Karana, a.k.a. The Spice Queen. Ooh. A.k.a. Award-winning writer. Okay, Emmy-nominated. Okay. Mm. Oscar award-winning. She's carrying this podcast. I've honestly forgotten the name of the award already. Me too. It's like, it's like Super so, Duper Writer Award. Yeah, it's just it's like... Just the Serena Karana Award. Gold Star... The Good Noodle Award from Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into the podcast, more pressing matter than anything. Rory, you have three weeks left at this institution. Oh, God. Oh. Now, now you sound like my mom reminded me of this. Rory, talk Do you about- have a job yet, Rory? <laughs> huh? Do you have a job? Rory, talk about what it means to graduate from the most prestigious institution, public institution in the United States. Talk, talk about what it means. For those of you that's, that can't see me, and that's all of you, I'm holding a, I'm holding <laughs> my, my phone. <laughs> I'm holding a phone to him right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch the film on my career, you know, analyze my tendencies before I can make a statement on this. You did note that, you know, yeah. before, before this semester, you wanted to get a 4.0 in life. Uh, first off, have we deciphered what that means? Or do people know what it means? Is it the provocative? The listeners know what it means. Is it provocative? Y'all know what it is. 4.0 in life. I think I'm like at a 3.8 right now. Oh, wow. Ooh, that's, that's pretty that's good. I'm a little hot in here, so it's not a 4.0. A couple A's, B plus in there maybe? Yeah. That's know. all I'd say. You can't take all W's, but you know, I'm taking a lot. Unlike how basketball. Hey. Like an inverse. Oh. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Just got to throw in the unnecessary. The yeah. Shot in yeah. There. You got to take the jabs. Kick them while they're down. So this episode that we have, it's a little, I feel like we always say this, every episode is a little different from the last one we do. We always find ways to, you know, keep it fresh, change it up, throw in some different spices, salt, pepper. Just saying this would be a perfect dry opportunity to have a sponsor that was like a sandwich or something for everything we just said. That, s- was, that was a perfect mm-hmm. transition I'm to still a waiting. hypothetical sponsor. I'm still waiting on Red Bull to drop the bag. We have gave them way too much free advertising. Yeah. We really have. We've even, we've even, it's... They're probably listening to this on a regular basis. They're probably thinking about it, you know, bringing it back to their team. And, like, yeah. these guys over in Berkeley, they're just really helping us out. I did see two, like, Priuses or, like, some very oddly shaped cars with, like, the Red Bull, like, logo plastered oh. on it. And I was thinking, hmm, maybe they're listening. Is it time to drop they the bag? <laughs> also, KiwiBot. I want a KiwiBot sponsorship. That's going to happen eventually. KiwiBot to drop the bag? Yes. Shout out KiwiBots. They stay rolling, no matter what. I almost hit a KiwiBot with my car, actually. Sounds like you were trying to hit one. Sounds so, alright. So what had happened was... What had happened was... So I was... So I was driving near Unit 2. <laughs> no, on this, the story. No, this is an I actual story. I was driving near Unit 2, and I see this KiwiBots trying to cross the street. And I'm thinking... I thought we were talking about them like they're people. No, it's like actually trying to cross the street, and I'm thinking, okay, it's gonna stop and then use its like motion sensor. Bro, pedestrian rights, bro. Dude, it knows what it is. This thing tries to like. I'm going like I'm whatever the speed limit is. I'm (laughs) I'm going that, and then I see it try to cross into the street. (laughs) I gotta like swerve hella hard, and I see the KiwiBot like slam on its brakes. Wow. So. I don't know. That's my. I think homie was trying to get. What's the key? We sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, we didn't hit you. Drop the. (laughs) A near miss. But anyway, the 
this episode's gonna be a little different. We've kind of, we've almost hit a wall in terms of stuff that has happened in terms of the basketball team. There is some minor news. I'll, I'll get to that in a second once we uh, introduce the premise of this podcast. But for this one, we're gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna hop in the wayback machine, and we're gonna do a little bit of a an, an oral history of the Viking Jones era. Now, for those of you, uh, I'm, I'm gonna hit a, hit them with the self plug. Or for those of you who didn't read it on read it. Cal, I did a a timeline of the Viking Jones era, and you know I didn't really put any personal input in it. I made it very cut and dry. Like these were the sequence of events that happened over Wikipedia you know, like style. Yeah. Essentially, because I didn't want to, I just wanted it to be cut and dry. You know, really lay out what happened. Because trying to get the most articles ever published in Daily Cal. You already know. He's just doing all the tricks. Galaxy brain meme. Galaxy brain. Hey, in my defense, I did this over spring break, so instead of instead of resting, I, I put that work in. Hey. But yeah, that's essentially what we're gonna do. We're gonna sort of go from the very beginning and then just go onwards, and we are gonna hit upon the biggest moments of. Viking Jones's tenure, but in instead of it being this very cut and dry thing, we're gonna you know throw our own personal input. So I didn't really get the chance to have that personal input on the actual article itself, but we're gonna do it here today. But before getting to that, just it's some, a good read though. Definitely it is. Check it out. Do read it. Yeah. It does provide a lot of context as to what we are gonna be saying. But before getting to that, just some brief news on Cal's incoming class. Um, still losing players. Right, Charles yes. Smith the fourth, uh, he coward. Was, <laughs> he receives a release from his national letter of intent, which is essentially as it's essentially a decommittal. But uh, Joel Brown and DJ, DJ Thorpe both took to Twitter to confirm that they are staying. Joel Brown said, um, actually, don't remember what he said. He's like here to I think stay. He here said if we're doing this now, I might as well tell you guys I'm here to stay. Yeah, he said here to stay, yeah. and then DJ Thorpe said, if we're in the business of re. We're, Oh, oh shit! Ow. Edit that out. <laughs> but DJ Thorpe said, "If we're in the business of reaffirming, then I'm committed." So, uh, so far, as of this point in time, Cal has lost uh, Charles Smith as well as Darius McNeil, uh, with Justice Schilling, Connor Vanover, Juwan Harris Dyson, and Roman Davis still in the transfer portal. And as that news develops, we'll, you know, if we have a chance to hop on the podcast and actually talk about someone else transferring, then. We shall do that, but now we're kind of hitting, you know, our awesome content. So, the Viking Jones era. We've said a lot about it while it was happening, but, and you know, we kind of said like a, a little bit of a, a reflection on it when the actual firing did happen, but we never really had a chance to start from the very beginning and really work our way forward and really analyze, you know, some of the intricacies that might have slipped through the cracks aside from this season. He coached 63 total games, 16 wins, 47 losses, lots of games, lots of moments, and of course, a lot of press conferences, a lot of memorable press conferences. So that's what we're gonna be doing today. And starting from the very beginning, I don't, I don't know how to start this. How do we, how do we go about starting this? How do we this? start this? I think uh, we, go ahead. The hiring itself, it was pretty shocking, right? I mean, it's, Difficult to go back and put in ourselves back in that frame of mind, but if memory serves me correct, when Y King was hired, it was like a collective what? And that was really fast. Kinda like the Mark Fox hiring, honestly. It was a similar <laughs> feeling. Uh, well, I think before getting into 
the hiring of Viking itself. It's worth, you know, setting the stage for those those two weeks that happened uh, prior to the Viking Jones hiring. And I'm of course talking about how uh, the 2016-2017 ended, uh, the memorable, if not infamous, 2016-2017 season. Um, so just to provide us with a little bit of context, on March 10th, 20, 2017, that's sort of where we're going to start here. Uh, Cal loses to Oregon in the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. Cal's one of these bubble teams, and you know they probably weren't going to win the Pac-12 tournament. It was going to be some combination of Arizona, Oregon, or UCLA, and sort of their best chance to really, inf you know, strengthen their case was going to be to win that tournament, uh, or at least get to the final round. They get knocked off in uh, the semifinals. Uh, the two days later. March 12, 2017, Selection Sunday. Uh, Cal's on the bubble, but ultimately does not get into the tournament, part of that first four out. They finished that season 21-12, and 12, and the other they were named one of the other number one seeds along with Illinois State, Iowa, and Syracuse. 10-8 uh, in conference play. So, you know, when you're thinking about major Power 5 conference teams, it's, it's easy to understand why they were one of those first four out. Did you have any thoughts on, you know, that season? Or at least the Selection Sunday aspect of it. Obvious East Coast bias. <laughs> they just hate California. They don't stay up to watch our games. No, we didn't really deserve it to get there, let's be honest. It was kind of a weird season. Yeah, and especially, you know, you did have Rap coming back, and you're thinking, you know... Disappointing. He was a second team, all Pac-12 in his freshman season, makes the all-freshman team. You're thinking, okay, he comes back for a second go-around, you know, uses that off-season to really strengthen parts of his game, and he more or less was the same player. He doesn't really make that year one to year two leap, and you know that kind of trickles down, in a sense, to the rest of the team for that season. So, in terms of context, I would say the, the biggest event in terms of setting the stage for you know the season prior, March 14th, 2017, the loss to CSU Bakersfield. Cal loses in the first round of the NIT as a number one seed, 73-66. Uh, Jabari Bird and Ivan Rab do not play because of injury. There was that, the really weird, the really weird Ivan Rab injury. I don't think there's any way to say it other than that it was very strange. Conzo Martin is asked what foot it is. He says he can't remember. <laughs> it might be both. And, you know, okay, if not that... That's throwing a game, ladies and gentlemen. If not the, uh, the most important, uh, the second most important thing to, you know, really set the stage of the Viking Jones era was, of course, a column by uh, none other than a former Daily Cal writer, Vikram Mueller, titled Real Disrespect. And I think I only have to say four words to really give you an idea of that column. Uh, this was a sham. Lot it was. Really was not happy with that. <laughs> There were, that, that yeah, game. I don't know what went down, what deal was struck, but it was, it honestly had the feeling of a game that was just, they totally surrendered, and they, they had no intention of uh, actually going far in the NIT. It was almost like NCAA tournament or bust, and we don't want to stay here a minute longer than we have to. Especially when you consider, you know, the day following their loss in that first round of the NIT. Conzo Martin resigns as the head coach uh, March 15th, 2017. 
uh, Viking Jones to serve as the interim head coach. And, you know, in the coming days, there's a couple names that really begin to float around as, you know, possible names to fill out head coach vacancy. Among them, Randy Bennett, Eric Musselman, uh, former assistant to Viking Theo Robertson, among others. But as you mentioned, it was a it was a very quick hiring and a very strange hiring because if, if we remember, no head coaching experience prior. He did he was an assistant at a various programs, but you know when you think of a head coach at a Power Five conference school, you want to have someone that has at least some semblance of experience. And Viking here was just being thrown into the fire right from the jump because. What we suppose then and suppose now is it was because of how cheap he was in the context of Cal Athletics uh, debt at the time and still ongoing debt. And they. That will never end. Yeah. And they kind of lost Quanzo and were like, well, who's his right hand man? Here's Y King and he's on a bargain contract. We'll just keep him around. And I think they always intended to use him as a transitionary piece. We can get into that later, but that's my view. Definitely. And in addition to you know the loss, the loss in the first round of the NIT, and Martin resigning, you also have to consider what exactly happened to the infrastructure of this team in the wake of essentially that that those weeks after the loss, because on March twenty second, you know about a week. After that loss, you have Ivan Rapp declaring for the draft, something that you know he probably should have done as a freshman and just went in with Jalen Brown. And when you consider in the seniors, Grant Mullins, Sam Singer, Bias, Stephen Domingo, they've now lost six players. Um, in another thing that's also worth noting in terms of just the general timeline, uh, March 24th is when Jones is officially promoted to head coach. Four days later, Jamal Baker, a four-star prospect who initially committed to Cal in December 2015, decommits. So first domino just immediately falls right off the bat. A couple, uh, couple weeks later, Charlie Moore announces he's going to transfer. So now that's seven players. A couple weeks later from that, Cameron Rooks receives his release from the program, and he'll be a grad transfer. They've now lost eight players and their entire starting five as well as a good chunk of their bench. So while we do, you know, we have given Viking a lot of flag for that first season and the second season, but in a sense, it felt like he was dealt a really bad hand. The mm -hmm. only players who were returning from the 2016-17 season were Don Coleman and Kingsley Okoro, and they're fine role players, but they're not really someone that you can build a program around. No. <laughs> yeah, you can put that maybe more on... Uh, the athletic director at the time, Mike Williams, not really foreseen the consequences it would have hiring someone unproven like Viking and the message that would send to the players and recruits because obviously he wasn't very respected. He was untested, so people rationally fled the program, and he should have seen that coming. So it was tough for Viking, very tough for him. And then in addition to... You know, Jamal Baker decommitting from the program. It's also worth noting that Trevin Nell, uh, I believe that's how it's pronounced, received his release from his letter of intent as well. He wouldn't have been available to play until I believe, I think this upcoming season because he went on a, a mission, so right after mm -hmm. that. But I think it's still worth noting that, mm -hmm. you know, in the immediate aftermath of 
uh, Vikings hiring, you have two players who commit, and and we both know that, you know, players they'll more likely than not choose a program because of the head coach. So when you change the head coach, you know, as we've seen with Charles Smith, he was a commit under Viking, but now, you know, we don't know exactly the rationale. There's a whole slew of factors that could have been responsible for it, but one of them could have been the head coach because that's just that's sort of the, the fact rational that basketball. one. Yeah. So now that we've sort of set the stage, now now let's let's dive into the mm. the Viking Jones tenure, and that begins on where's the date here? November tenth, two thousand seventeen. Now. I wasn't able to attend this game because I was actually on editor's retreat up in Tahoe. You know, all the editors, we get a, get a little cabin, you know, do some things that probably got to be kept behind the curtains. Wow. But. Allegedly. Allegedly. The very first game of Viking Jones tenure. It's against UC Riverside at home. Now. Not the UC Riverside we know of this year. Not of this year. <laughs> you know, we, we just hear the name UC Riverside against Cal and even for those who don't really have a strong knowledge of college basketball, you're going to think Cal is going to come away with that win. One's a Power 5 school, one is not. One has a strong history of basketball. One does not really have as strong of a history. And just to provide some context, in the 2016-17 season, UC Riverside was ranked 311th in the nation by Ken Palm, our, our mighty lord and savior Ken Palm. Shout out Ken Palm. They were ranked 339th in offensive efficiency. So, you know, heading into this matchup, one would, you know, one can assume <laughs> that Cal's going to win this game rather handedly. That is not what happens. The very first game of the Viking Jones tenure, they get s- not smacked at home, but it's a loss nonetheless, 74-66. Don Coleman there's no other way to say it other than he goes full Kobe. He scores 31 points, and you see 31 points like, oh. Uh-huh, that's, like, that's fine. Yeah, but um, 9 of 28 from the field. What? 11 of 19 from the free throw line. What? And I think some some things that are also worth What's noting. What's that usage rate right there? Feels like 40% at minimum. On this? 40% at minimum. Westbrook-like usage rate. But I think what's also worth noting in that game, Deshaun Winston and Nick Hamilton started in the place of Justice Suing and Darius McNeil. And, you know, there's a lot to unpack from just this one game, but I think we need to just start at the, the very basic tenet. Losing to UC Riverside at home. Not a great start. It's not a good <laughs> omen. <laughs> very bad omen. What's the biggest thing you see Riverside has done in basketball? I'm trying to think. I'm trying. I don't want to be like made a tournament. I honestly don't know. Like so yeah, that was terrible. Um, also, Marcus Lee only having eight points and ten rebounds in his debut at Cal was like such an underwhelming performance considering this man used played in the national championship game. He did average what like six? I think it was six points and six rebounds at Kentucky. Yeah. But, you know, six points and six rebounds at Kentucky is a lot different from... Like, he was looked at as, like, else. a poor man's Anthony Davis for a minute there. He was actually part of that um, that stacked Kentucky team with, like, Towns and Booker. Yeah. So... And he was super high prospect out of Antioch coming out of high school Deer Valley. Like... He, he was kind of like... Dude was, like... People were hyped to get Marcus Lee. Not exactly on the same level of... 
Ivan Rab because Ivan Rab he had like the whole thing of being Oakland zone, but you know Say definitely Jabari Bird from Richmond. Like we had some people from the Bay. Yeah. People were excited. There was definitely some hometown hype. Yeah. I remember my brother in law actually, who doesn't really follow college basketball that much. He's like, oh, you know about Marcus Lee because he's from the Bay. Yeah. So, and he was on TV. That's true as well. You know, <laughs> this guy has a dud against UC Riverside. It was like, what is going on with this team? And I think in retrospect, one of the things that's really confusing for me. And that really sticks out when I look at the box score was the minutes distribution. Because one of, one of my biggest points of emphasis when I looked at that first season was I felt as if Viking was trying to win. And, like, obviously as a head coach, you do want to win your games. But he was prioritizing winning to the point where some of the, not back-of-the-bench freshmen, but some of those, you know, ninth, tenth men wouldn't exactly get the minutes that they needed, especially because... There was no secret that this was a rebuilding team. You know, Deshaun Winston, he played 17 minutes in that first, in this UC Riverside game. Austin McCullough played seven, and it seems very minimal, but, you know, that's something that I would have liked to see throughout that entire season. There had to have been something about Deshaun to where you gave him that opportunity to start, and there had to have been something about McCullough to give him seven minutes. You know, and for them to essentially fall off a cliff as the season goes along, it didn't really shock me as surprising when at the end of the season, and we'll eventually get to it, but then they decided to transfer. And I think just looking at those two in particular, it really speaks to the lost potential of this team, what this team could have been if there was a real investment in building instead of just trying to yeah, exactly. win right away. His inability to develop is uh, really his Achilles heel as a coach. Time and time again, we strike on it, and there's examples of just he never developed any players. And there's, a, there's kind of a real irony in it, too, because Cal was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the entire country. I think they're ranked in the 330-somethings in terms of, if not offense efficiency, you know, three-point shooting. Who's a shooter? McCullough. And also, in like the very final game of the season, the, when Cal played Stanford... I remember, you know, Derek King comes in garbage time, knocks down a three-pointer, and you're thinking, at least I was thinking, get this man some Yeah, he just comes in, knocks down a three, like it's nothing like granted garbage time, but still it's the T-Mobile Arena. This is a, a Pac-12 tournament game. He just comes in right off the bat and it's like getting buckets. It's like, even if he comes in for like eight, nine, ten minutes a game, that's still a viable option that you had that you ultimately didn't go to. So even, the, even aside from Winston and McCullough, still... Derek King, him not being able to get any run and not even exploring the option of what that could have been. And at the end of the day, this is just a really bad omen for the rest of his tenure. Yeah, and another trend. He had a lot of... His rotations were not huge. Like, he kept it to usually seven guys, sometimes six guys. It was always a question of, you know, if someone made a mistake, are they staying in the game or are they getting yanked immediately? And because this, this was a rebuilding team, you know, I would have been of the mindset, it's like, let them go out, let them get their minutes, let them make their mistakes, and let them grow. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen with, you know, how Winston and McCullough essentially fall out of the rotation, you know, suing starts the next game, I believe in favor of either Hamilton or Winston, but to just see them essentially dis- disappear from the rotation entirely, it's, it's very strange, if, if anything else. So the Riverside game was a battle. Let's jump to the Maui Jim Maui Invitational. That was so, just the opener. That was just the appetizer. That was just the appetizer, so, baby. 
A little more context. The Maui Invitational starts in Berkeley. They play Wofford. That boy Fletcher McGee goes off. They get the win 79-65. I believe that was... That was the... Oh, the Fletcher McGee was on that team? That Wofford's? Yeah. Wow. Word. So they start off the Maui Invitational with the win against Wofford. They blow the big lead against Wichita State when they go to Hawaii. And, you know, Wichita State... State Good program. ...was ranked sixth at the time. I believe they had Landry Shamit, who's... You know, hitting game-winning three-pointers hey. against the Warriors now. Uh, they drop the next game to VCU, 83-69. Uh, they lose the race 69, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, you're going into the final game of, of the Invitational, at least in, in Hawaii. They're going against Chaminade. Now, Roy, do you want to hit us with some Chaminade facts? Yeah. Please, please Let do. Let me hit you with some Chaminade facts, because right now you probably ask yourself, what, what is Chaminade? Is that a, yeah, who is, is that a rapper? What's their story? Chaminade is a private university in Hawaii. I believe it's on Oahu. Someone else can check that. Um, but more importantly, their most famous alumni, Matthew Morgan. Any of my WWE fans might remember him. He was on a tag team with Brock Lesnar. He'd uh, been knocked out by, I believe, Chris Benoit. I be- that's how you say his name, right? I have no I'm idea. not a WWE. Yeah, I'm not a WWE. They're gonna come from my head. But this dude is a WWE professional, and then becomes a politician in Florida. He's a city councilman right now in Longwood, Florida, which is the most Florida thing to ever happen. Um, and that's literally the most. He also played basketball for Shamrock. There Center. it is. And but go ahead. that's the team we lose to. We're leaving out. That's our most notable alumni. We're leaving out one key detail. Chaminade is Division Two, and not only does Cal lose to Chaminade, which is bad in and of itself, they get destroyed. Ninety-six. Like Matt Morgan would destroy you. Ninety-six to seventy-two. I, I don't what. <laughs> I, I feel like this That's was... That's where you leave everyone in Hawaii and don't let them come back to Berkeley. I think Hawaii wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah right? Quote, For me, in all the years that I've been coaching, I've never been so embarrassed in my life from the lack of effort from our guys. Definitely was beautiful. not a, not beautiful. And it is worth noting that uh, this was... I think it was the Wichita State game, I believe, that that was... The last time we would see Theo Robertson on the sidelines, and mm. after that, he would be on a leave of absence, and eventually never... So he never came back from Hawaii, is what you're telling me. <laughs> I don't blame him. I think he's an assistant for... I think he's an assistant for, if not a college team, a professional team. Maybe he's on a city council with Matt Morgan. <laughs> but, yeah, the Division Two lot, like, a loss to a Division Two team, I think that really... If not anything that's else. That's one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to Cal. Any sport in, like, the past decade. I think even if you if you didn't look at any of the other games from the rest of this season, I think you could ascertain what happened. I don't think you would be too We hard. went undefeated, baby. We used it as motivation, right? <laughs> no, wait, it's not a sports movie. Uh, yeah, that's, no, it's, that's not what It's happened. not some, some mighty no. ducks. It's not exactly what goes down. So that's... That's essentially like what. That's what we're dealing with here. That's, I would say that's like the not the peak. How many shots did Don Coleman take in that game? That's actually that's a great what question. I want to know. 
Let's see here. How many shots did Don Coleman take in that game? Only 13. He actually, wasn't, <laughs> he actually wasn't the leading shot taker. That was actually Justice Sewing who had uh, tw- 18 shots. Well, he is Hawaiian, right? There he is. Out. Little homecoming, 23 points, 7 rebounds. But... Wow, it's actually a decent game for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a new player. You know, just look, like, even reflecting on everything that's happened during the Viking Jones era, I can't really think of something... I can't think of a worse loss. And I think that just speaks to... Yeah, that's got to be the low. I mean, it's literally Division Two. Because when we talk about teams that have, like, that that chip-on-your-shoulder mentality, that real... I mean, that's the equivalent of an NBA team losing to a G League team. You know, like, it, it doesn't get any lower than that. It really doesn't. Even for the Knicks. <laughs> I was actually talking with a friend who has a friend that goes to Chaminade, and he was telling... I'm not going to release my sources, but it was interesting because when I was having that conversation, he was telling me, his friend was saying, you know, they're just going to go out, play as hard as they can possibly, and then just see what happens. And, you know, you think, you hear that, you're like, okay, maybe it's going to be a close game, but to beat Cal by 24, I don't think there can be any more of like a primer for like what's going to happen in the upcoming season than that. They really should have left him in Hawaii. (laughs) Like, you take off. It should have been like a reality show, like Survivor, but put it on Pac-12 Network, and it's just Cal working out their differences um, in the jungles of Hawaii. That would have brought some team bonding. I'm just saying it would have done some good. I'm just saying, guys. It's a thought. It's a real thought. You can't just come back after you lose to Division Two team and, and like carry on like everything's good. normal. Like, okay, it's yeah, bad. come back to Berkeley, go get your boba or whatever. Get your kiwi Maybe bot delivery. Maybe that's what Viking was thinking this year after Utah. Right? Oh, we just need to... We get away from each other, as in I will abandon them <laughs> in an isolated remote location. Moving. I'd watch it. That's Moving what I'm saying, on. guys. Um, another notable date, December 21st, 2017. Cal concludes its non-conference play with a another really bad loss. 106-81 to Portland State. Wait, what? 106 to 81 to Portland State. Can you say that again? 106 to 81. 106! 106 points in college. (laughs) Yep. Portland State, they're one of those teams that both A, plays incredibly fast, and B, likes to press. And the combination of that, you know, just led to them to running up the score. There's a lot of lobs, a lot of posters. I believe that Andrew Mundy... I think he said that was one of the games he left early. If not that one, but the the Central Arkansas game, the ninety six sixty nine. That's gotta be. But with that record, uh, with that game, they had a six and seven record at the time. A Cal finished with a losing record in non conference play for the first time since the two thousand three, two thousand four season. So, another bad omen. There's not really like that's not even an omen. That's like my house is on fire. No one is putting this out. Really, you should have not brought us back from Hawaii. We're begging you. <laughs> Abandon this team. It is worth noting, in the game after that, I didn't put down the date, but I think it was December 30th, where Cal goes into Maples at Stanford. They're down, I think, 18 points, 17 points at the half. or Not at the half, but at one point in time. And the general trend leading up to that point was they would go down big, and they kind of just roll over and die. But then they come back. <laughs> that, that's... Like, in reality, that's yeah. kind of how it was. But then they, they storm this this huge lead. They end up upsetting Stanford. 
in Palo Alto when you're thinking, oh, like... Does this team actually... Are there signs of life? <laughs> Resuscitate. <laughs> Resuscitate. Uh, that's, not actually, that's not actually what happened. There was... Nope. They're dead. That would be one of their two uh, conference wins. And, you know, it wasn't... It wasn't even a win where it's like normal circumstances. You had to have these very abnormal circumstances happen in order for them to just get one win. The other conference win, which came against Oregon State, it took a Kingsley Okoro double-double and him going like 10 of 12 from the free throw line. Which is insane. Like, it was, I think it was his first double-double. And it's also worth noting, I think he was a career 57% free throw shooter. So it took two... Ab- like the most abnormal games you could possibly have just to win two conference games and yeah that's sort of they really should have not won a single game like they were that terrible do you think that I wonder what those huddles were like <laughs> like in the Portland State <laughs> game in the Chaminade game and just the rest of the year god I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there <laughs> I can't imagine they would have been fun. I can't imagine Viking saying anything, but they've got a lot of length. And we got to watch the film. They're like, Coach, we're in the game. You can't watch the film. And it just starts glitching. Like, uh, they just get the, like, the like, iPads. Like, yeah. They start busting out the iPads. So another notable date, uh, March 7th, 2018. Oh, that's the final game of the season. Stanford rolls over Cal in the first round of the NCAA, or not NCAA, Pac-12 <laughs> tournament. I was, I, me and Christy were actually there on hand to witness it. It was a... It was as bad of a game as it sounds. I forgot what, what the margin of defeat was, but it was pretty bad. Uh, that was, you know, Marcus Lee, Kingsley Coral's final games at Cal. Well, actually, I have the score 76 58. Not a fun one. No. But uh, silver lining, you know, the whole team's going to come back, you know, aside from Lee and Okoro, including Don Coleman. But uh, no. Uh, two weeks later, Coleman announces his intent to transfer, led the team in scoring with 14.2 points a game. Uh, now Cal has no seniors for the 2018-19 season. Another like who needs seniors? Huh? Maybe Cal. <laughs> <laughs> we could have used them. Maybe Cal needed some seniors. And then in addition to Coleman transferring on April 25th of 2018, Deshaun Winston and Austin McCullough uh, will not return. They end up transferring to a community. I think it was a city college in San Francisco. I don't remember what the name of it was. City College of San Francisco. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I'm that not, is the name. You know, I'm not entirely too familiar Go with Go Rams, Ram Fam. You said is that what they're called? Yeah. I think I think McCullough actually had a solid season. I think he averaged like fourteen points and then Winston had like ten. So there you, go. you know? Shamanad signed this man. Showcasing their talents elsewhere. Um I think the one of the biggest points of, you know, the Viking era though, May tenth, twenty eighteen. This was actually like I got home from, like, school. This was my last day of school. That's why I remember it so vividly. Uh, mm. Brandon Chaka releases a blog post titled The Truth that discusses his dismissal from the team. A lot of stuff in there with very we gotta talk about this. unfavorable things to say uh, about Wiking. Uh, Cal Athletics releases a statement. Brandon Chaka was dismissed from... Uh, the Cal men's basketball team in June 2017 for a violation of team and university policies. However, he's continued to retain his scholarship and remains on aid through the completion of his Cal degree. We, initially, we did not initially disclose the reason for Brandon leaving the team in order to protect his privacy 
the reasons for his dismissal were clearly communicated to him. It's kind of the bombshell of like. It, yeah. When it came out, it was pretty. Uh, that's one of the more dramatic things to happen in the Viking era. It's pretty damning. Yeah, pretty damning. People were like shocked when it came out. It was, for one, it was very well written. It's a very engaging piece. I was like, man, this guy knows how to write. Um, and just, it kind of left you a little sick to your stomach, and then you take a step away and actually analyze it objectively. But my first reaction was, wow. Why King sounds like a bad guy. Yeah. And, you know, we... That's we, the impression you're left with. We never got Viking's side of the story. There's obviously two sides to every story. And there's probably... You know, he's writing this from his perspective. And there's probably... Th- there might be some details in there that we may not have the context for. But for him to go to the length of creating an Adobe Spark blog post... And you know, throwing nice platform. throwing in pictures of himself, and to like go through all the formatting and to write it. I don't think it was copy edited though. I, I know Serena caught a couple grammar errors in there, but oh wow, Spice Queen. For, uh, for him to go through all of those efforts to write that, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying the things that he's saying are true. I'm not saying they're untrue. If anything, well, like, it. I think it's true. It's just not the whole story, you know. That's what I'm saying. If anything, it's not the greatest look in the world. I don't want to be the type to say this is 100% true or it's 100% untrue because simply we don't know everything that happened, but you know, it's it didn't really shed Viking in a lot the best light. There was also that one line about Deshaun Winston and Austin McCullough and it's like I don't I might have to Brandon Chaka they ass or something yeah, like that. Yeah. That was a really That was a really, really damning bad thing. Quote. I think there was something about he went to his locker and all of his stuff was in a garbage bag. Yeah. And this guy got said he got depression afterwards. Yeah. He, his whole life was kind of thrown in the mix. He didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, to be fair, from from the basketball perspective, like taking away the human element, like this happens all the time in college basketball, which we should, you know, be aware of. Like people get cut for virtually nothing. It's a cutthroat world. You can't really trust the coaches. It's a, well, There's a million stories like this. But to hear the personal uh, saga behind it and everything that went down and the process of the way it went down was really shocking. And just another piece of negative news for the Cal fan base to digest at the time. Yeah, it was... It just created even more negativity around the program. If anything, it felt like one, like the cherry on top, one final gut punch to... It really was. Season. It really was. I yeah. mean, because on the one hand, like, I don't know what your opinion was, but he never seemed like he was necessarily Pac-12 level talent, but... Yeah, and that's, it, that's the whole thing with the cut when, when I think about it is... You know, you're reading it from this personal perspective. And obviously when you read something from a first-person point of view, it's going to be different than, you know, if any of us were to just report on it. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was framed, he made it sound like 
if not a star, he was like. Yeah, talking about his, like yeah, me and Jabari Bird and Rab yeah. and Jalen Brown's like. And then he was also pulling out some kind of like very cherry picked, obscure stats. It's like. I don't, yeah, I don't, one about like like contested jumpers. Like he's definitely yeah. one in the back twelve. It's like. And a very limited amount of attempts. And. Um, not to. Not to throw shade at my at my short kings out there because I'm not six feet either. I think it's, it's just worth noting. It's the truth of the matter. Chalk is also like five eight or five nine. So yeah. You know that's an obvious impediment there. Just that's not to take away his basketball skills, but when you talk about fielding a team and when you when you list, when you sort of look at the players that Cal fielded, both during the sixteen seventeen season and the seventeen eighteen season, you saw like. You know, at the smallest, you know, these guys are like what six two, six three. Yeah. This past season, the smallest guy on the floor for Cal was Paris Austin, who, depending on how just you look under at six it, feet. either right. just under like five eleven, six foot, six one, depending on what He's you look not at. Not six one, no way, <laughs> no way. I'm just, I'm just reporting <laughs> what I see. I mean, what, what do you think of the whole situation? Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is when you read a first person account, like even Cal Athletics, that's not first person right and so their side of the story or Viking side of the story like we won't ever really fully know you know but it does like hit kind of you know close to home you're like you feel sorry for him when you read his blog post and you feel like he's been wrong you know and then like it's bad after a time where there's just so much to be upset about you know and especially what you were saying earlier just about like that the 20s 16 to 2017 to 18 season being not like expecting it to be a rebuilding season you know or playing it off like it's not a rebuilding season I feel like this season um they like were expecting it to be a rebuilding season and almost like writing off these losses mm-hmm. as oh rebuilding you know yeah I feel like that's just different but yeah with Brandon um I feel like that just came out a rough time in the whole timeline yeah. Go ahead. I feel like from a basketball perspective and from Y King's perspective, it was totally legit reason to cut someone. Like if you don't feel like they're up talent and they don't fit your scheme and you just don't see a place for them on the team, like, you know, that happens all the time in college basketball. You just you're not good enough, they cut you. And then there's also, you know, there's some things that and this gets into, you know, Viking like we haven't officially heard his side of the story in regards to this but you know you don't know what he's doing in practice you don't know how much effort he's putting in you don't know how he's handling himself off the court there was you know there's that whole thing with Mark Fox and he was talking about we want our players to be citizens you know fulfill their civic duty so maybe in Viking's eye he wasn't fulfilling what he thought was appropriate off the court this is just speculation this is just me trying to think of reasons that would have prompted Viking to cut him aside from just talent but you know you do have to consider at the end like if not if if anything else just talent and even heading into his senior year even if he was 100% healthy he had produced very minimally I think his the biggest game he had played in was uh, the first round against Hawaii when they got pictures of that yeah there was that game but I mean, I think just more importantly, it just showed 
how dysfunctional the team was and Viking as a communicator from the program to the outside world. I never felt like he was great at getting his message across from the program to the fan base. There was always this layer of mystery, like what is Viking feeling? What does he actually think of this? He never really showed his cards on any of this and always kept this kind of impersonal distance between himself and even his players, obviously. Um... So, yeah, it doesn't come across great. I don't think either side is perfect. I mean, there's flaws in both versions, but it's another area of negativity of this program. Symbolized in one player and one kind of disaster. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, just the coach's job is to is to do what makes sense in their mind the best sense for the program right and so if he thought cutting Brandon you know like you said this happens all the time so like they just didn't mesh well together they he didn't see him as a positive asset for the team and like ultimately he's the one to decide that not Brandon I think this is a good place to you know this is basically the end of that 17-18 season this is a good place to stop right here I thought we were gonna you know just considering this is like two years that we have to condense. This is, would be a two-parter, so yeah, year one. I was actually I was thinking about whether this could be a three-parter. I don't think I don't think it will. <laughs> I think that we'll just. I mean, I do like trilogies. Yes. Let, let's let's forget that the Godfather had a trilogy. Though. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, good trilogy. Star Wars original, good I've actually, trilogy. I've never Harry Potter. I've seen. Harry, Harry I Potter's seen. more than a trilogy. Harry Potter's like seven. Sevenology. They made eight, eight movies. Eight, yeah. I think you guys are gonna hate me for this. I haven't seen any of those, any of those series. No, you haven't all. seen Star Wars, no. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. None of them. I just rewatch. Uh, <laughs> this man only watches film. I only watch the film. He only watches film. I just rewatched the one game where Chimezi Metu almost kicked that jumped. guy in the nuts. <laughs> oh, Carter! Yeah. That was Carter Skaggs. He kicked Carter. Sk- he, he didn't kick him. He man. He like. He was jogging. Now I'm even more hyped about that. He was jogging past the him fastest and he, like, trigger in the West, tied with Fletcher McGee. Damn. <laughs> but I was thinking of the one game where Chimezi Metu almost jumped over Marcus Lee. Oh, that was disgusting. Yeah, I just I just rewatched that game <laughs> seven times a, a month. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of watching almost. anything else. But I think it's a good point to end on, and we'll hit on to you know this past season, and because this because this past season you know we got to cover it together. We got some sound bites. We got some sound bites. A lot more, you know, more personal memories. Some, some favorite memories instead of making it like this day, this day, this day. Because it felt like there wasn't as much drama per se. It was just a really bad season, and then some drama at the end. At the it end. makes up at the end. That third act is pretty dramatic. That's a good climax we got going. I guess that there's third. A, there's a player coup. <laughs> you know. I guess that third what act. What do you want? There's that kind of leads wonky. to. Kind of leads to where we are right now at this point in time, and you know this. I guess you can consider it a third act because, you know, we're still kind of dealing with that aftermath of the firing. You know, with Charles Smith decommitting, and then everyone else potentially transferring. You know, we're kind of in that third act right now. It's like the. The, the prelude, I don't know, like, first, second, third, you know, opening act, 
the meat of it ending. I don't know. You can tell you're an English major. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hot in this room. It's like 80 degrees outside. It is way too hot in here. I felt, I, I kind of, as we've been doing this, I've been kind of feeling like low-key drunk. Just because... Like the word, like, wow. and that's coming from the leader of the sober gopher gang himself. You know, got, <laughs> the what? Sober gopher gang. You know how E40 has that one line in um, choices? Everybody got choices. Sober is a gopher? Nope. Nope. Well, apparently, yep. Well, apparently, no. We don't know what's going on now. With justice. Well, I got allegedly <laughs> under the influence. I got, a, I got a sign that's in the news, like in the news desk that has. It literally, it's my handwriting. It says leader of the sober gopher gang. Mm. So, Who's else with you? Tim um, Tebow? You know, there's actually dozens of us. There's dozens. <laughs> literally dozens, dozens of us. Maybe we'll, uh, you know, we're always taking applications. Yeah, always taking applications. We're always looking at I don't people. think Y-King's going to join you. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, episode number 22, One Gold Moment Podcast, Justice, Rory, Serena, this hot room. See you in part two. Signing off. Get hyped. Cheese.